You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I pray at this time that uh, not my words, but your living word would go forth, that it would indeed take root uh, in our hearts, our minds, our spirits, that we might find in you our life and our salvation. This I ask, this I offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For the space of about uh, a month now, we've been walking through this sixth chapter of John's Gospel, this period of extended teaching uh, that Jesus um, gives, uh, which reveals, uh, as always, uh, the nature and the character of God, and the nature and the character of God in relationship with you and with me. And as he uh, is on this period of extended teaching, uh, reflecting on it, uh, made me think about something that I experienced uh, in a class uh, a long time ago. It's actually, I was thinking about it and I was doing the math. Uh, this took place 31 years ago. Um, 31 years ago, and, and yet um, it was such that I still remember it um, to this day. It was my senior year at the Citadel, and it was Dr. Tucker. Colonel Tucker was a great professor. He was the chair of the English department, and he came into class that morning, and he placed stacks of paper on the front of each desk at the front of the classroom, and the papers, of course, were, were passed back. And my assumption, as you might imagine, and probably yours would have been as well, was that this was an assignment. It was something um, that we would be required to do, something that would be expected of us. So you can imagine my surprise and the surprise of my classmates when it was not an assignment, it was an apology. Um, Dr. Tucker had written an apology um, to us, his students, and I remember, I, I wish I still had the letter in it, uh, maybe I do somewhere, but again, dramatically, I can still remember what he said to us in that letter. And in that letter of apology to us, again, completely unexpected and, and unwarranted, uh, he apologized for his, um, for his poverty of inspiration and lack of organization. Uh, he apologized for his poverty, poverty of inspiration and his lack of organization, and, and he said, uh, gentlemen, I've allowed myself to be um, stretched um, too thin and in too many directions, and he, I remember this, he said as well, he said, I, I hope you can learn from me that in uh, trying to be all things to all people, it's possible to become useful to none, and trying to be all things to all people, uh, it's possible to become useful to none. And it, it, that moment stands out in my memory, and again, I can, I can visualize it right now, and I can hear his voice. And the reasons that it stands out in my memory, of course, are many. Uh, of course, among them, uh, the absolute shock and surprise uh, at his words, uh, the, the, the graciousness of his words, but also the, the way in which uh, he came down uh, his desire for us was such, his concern for us uh, was such, his love and his grace directed toward us was such that here he was the most powerful individual in the room, uh, and yet he put all of that aside because of his desire um, to connect with us, his desire um, to speak with us. Uh, he, he willingly 
uh, became less uh, in that moment um, for us and he extended that grace and he extended that kindness. And I share that with you because it was one of the, this was actually a pleasantly disruptive moment uh, because uh, things were changed and the tables were turned and uh, we were dislodged from our expectations. And I share that with you because not only in this portion of teaching before us this morning, but throughout Jesus' life and his ministry and his teaching, he out of his love and his grace for us and his desire to capture us and his desire to win us, we see, one, that God comes down. God in his love and his grace and his humility comes down um, to you and to me. Uh, He seeks us. uh, He pursues us. But we also see Jesus in the teaching this morning and throughout uh, the message of the gospel, he he disarms us. Uh, He disrupts um, our lives. He dislodges us Uh, oftentimes from our comforts and our patterns. Uh, And the reason that he does this is not to create insecurity, but to give us actual real and lasting security. Uh, He disrupts us, Um, he dislodges us, again, not to make us insecure, but that we might ultimately have the security which is found in him uh, and is found in him alone. Jesus, of course, says the words which were challenging to the people of this day, and, and quite frankly, even as, as we hear it, it's a, little, it's a little awkward, isn't it? Even though we know that Jesus is speaking figuratively, unless you eat my flesh uh, and drink my blood, um, you have no part in me. Unless you eat my flesh uh, and you drink my blood, you have no part of me. Even all these years later, even though that Jesus is speaking in a way um, which is figurative, those words are uncomfortable. Uh, they, they capture um, our attention. And we hear that as Jesus delivers these words to the people of his day, rather than easing up or backing up, he, he presses in um, even more as he shares these words with them, and he's pressing them again um, out of love. Uh, he is making them um, uncomfortable in a way in which they might ultimately find that security uh, which is found in him. They begin to, as we are told, they begin to grumble as Jesus not only says, you must eat my flesh and you must drink my blood, um, but Jesus describes himself um, as the bread that gives life to the world. He describes himself as the bread that has come down from heaven. And what he is clearly and unmistakably saying to them is that he is none other than God with them. He is none other um, than God with them. And we hear that they begin to grumble um, at his teaching. And of course, that word grumble is such a resonant biblical word, isn't it? We hear the word grumble and we think about the people um, of Israel in the Exodus as God led them um, out of their slavery, out of their bondage, as he responded um, to their prayers, as he responded to their cries. But as God fed them and provided bread from heaven, provided manna for them, of course, we hear that again and again they grumble um, with the provision of God. They grumble with the circumstances uh, in which they find themselves. And the people uh, grumble before Jesus today, and not just those who are on the fringe, but we hear that those who are closest to Jesus grumble as well, and they say fairly, this is a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching um, that you're giving to us, Jesus. Uh, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. What Jesus is inviting them to, 
what you and I are being invited to is more than existence. We're being invited to more than existence. We're being invited to have life, not just getting by, not just making it, not just the bread which we eat and grow hungry um, soon thereafter, but a living bread that nourishes our lives, that nourishes our souls, that gives a clarity and a meaning and a substance and a purpose and a security and, and the way that all of our routines and all of our practices and all our efforts to feed ourselves can never provide. Jesus offers um, this living bread, this opportunity to be satisfied, this opportunity to be filled, this opportunity to be satiated in a way that can, God alone um, can accomplish for us. And as Jesus is saying this, he, he says that it comes, uh, interestingly, and this is sort of um, uh, almost lost, so shocking are those words about eating his flesh uh, and drinking his blood. But one of the things that we are invited to do, one of the things that they are invited to do, and not just here in the sixth chapter, but Jesus says these words repeatedly um, throughout the gospel, the invitation um, to abide in him to feed on him, uh, to uh, abide in him. And I ask you the question, what does it mean uh, as we're invited to, to feed on him, what does it mean to abide with him? Uh, and I'll begin to talk about that just a little bit, but the, the word abide, if you go um, to the dictionary uh, and the word and the definition will be this, uh, a definition of abide is to accept or act in accordance with to accept or act in accordance with a rule, a decision, or a recommendation. So we might say that what is it to abide with Jesus? Um, It's to accept the truth of what he says uh, and to live in accordance uh, with what he says. Uh, He invites them um, to believe. He invites them um, to feed on him. And while that's accurate, um, it needs something more because I don't know about you, and actually I do know about you because we share um, a human nature, uh, and that is this, um, while we can desire to abide, while we can desire um, to agree, while we can desire to act in accordance uh, with this belief, uh, our life and our actions often say something very different, don't they? There's the nature and the challenge of, of human nature. There's the nature and challenge of sin, that which Paul famously said, we find ourselves not doing the things we want to do, and we find ourselves doing the things we don't want to do. Wretched people that we are, um, who will um, deliver us? So what does it mean um, to abide in Jesus as we are invited to do? And what I would suggest to you, what I would offer to you is this, and why this is a word uh, of gospel why this is a word of good news um, to you and to me, why this is a word of strength and rest, because what we're invited to do when we're invited to abide in Jesus uh, and to see in his sacrifice the sufficiency for our lives, what we're invited to do as we abide in him is to rest in him, to rest in him and his accomplishments, um, to draw strength um, from him. When we rest, when we draw strength uh, from the body and blood of Jesus, that is the way in which um, we abide in him. Jesus presses them, uh, and the word is given to you and to me as well. My sacrifice is essential for life, uh, and I will give life to the world. And the way that I will do it um, is through my cross and through my resurrection. Repeatedly in John's gospel, Jesus says, when I am lifted up, 
um, I will draw the world to myself. He repeatedly says the Son of Man must um, be lifted up. He says, I've come that you might have life and have it in the fullest. He says, I've come and I know my sheep and I lay down my life for the sheep and I take it up uh, again uh, that no one and nothing can snatch my sheep out of my hand. I pray that you hear the word placed before us um, this morning, the opportunity to have a stability, um, the opportunity to have a substance, the opportunity um, to be filled and strengthened in a way that nothing in life uh, or death can take away from us. And that is what we are given to us in Jesus, uh, in his body, in his blood, which are offered for us, poured out for us uh, upon the cross and in the resurrection. Um, You and I are are recipients uh, of God's grace. Through his cross and through his resurrection, there is not an inch of ground of this world that Jesus does not lay claim on. Uh, And we hear that he is victorious. Uh, And what is given to you and to me is that opportunity to abide in him, to find our rest and our strength in his sufficiency, and to know that he graciously, lovingly comes down and he pursues us and he offers himself for us um, that you and I might know that strength, that you and I might know that peace, that you and I might do more than exist, that we might actually have life. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Most gracious and ever-living God, we thank you that you, um, the greatest of all, humble yourself uh, and you seek us and you pursue us in the gift of Jesus, your son. We thank you that in your cross and in your resurrection, in your body um, and in your blood, you defeat the powers of sin and death and you give us security that cannot be taken away. By the work of your spirit, enable us to abide in you that we might know the life that is found in you. This we ask, this we offer, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. 